this episode of the Beamable Game Dev Podcast, I sit down with Adam Walters and we talk about the development of Killer Queen Black. Let's jump into the interview. All right. Well, I got Adam Walters, who is one of the devs behind Killer Queen Black. Adam, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. So I got, I got a little bit of a history with you guys. We, I, I connected with you guys at E3 2019 and uh, of course fell in love with the game and wanted to reconnect and just kind of uh, share, share some of the story behind Killer Queen Black, what it is and, and the, the journey of developing it. So uh, I'm going to kind of let, I'm going to let you do your 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 favorite job and explain what what is Killer yeah, my, Queen Black. My E3 like fix that they probably did that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a hard game to explain. Um, it's um, you know it, it's a very team based multiplayer game. Um, I think we call it an action platformer. Um, there's three ways to win. Um, so like you can kill the queen three times. Each team has one queen. Uh, you can also run um, berries, like try to like put 12 berries in your hive, or which is called an economic victory. Or you can um, ride the snail. There's like a little snail, move slow, um, try to get it to your side. So that's kind of like a tug of war um, that goes on. So like the, the cool part is it's very team focused. Um, because there's three different ways to win you're you have to keep an eye on all those so like maybe you have a really good queen but you can like outmanage them or outsmart them by going for berries um or, or at least distract them and pull them over in that regard um so yeah that's that's the main thing it's eight players um so like you know, you can form groups and form teams and go in that way. You can just jump into like quick play or ranked um, or create customs. We have a lot of people that uh, a lot of leagues that have started up or, or a number of leagues uh, that that form like actual seasons and tournaments um, and like compete that way, which is really cool to see. Um, like the community is amazing um, just in in the ways like that are outside of, you know, the actual, like what we've developed in the game for supporting like a community, like people have like taken it on their own to like form these kind of competitive leagues, which is, it's really cool to see as a developer. I bet. I bet. Is the, uh, is the black team still a thing? Is it still, is it still, it's, it's, uh, it's still there. Um, we'll, it, it, it's it's not certain whether we'll we'll get around to it um you know it's 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 one of those things that it's really hard to work out all the nuances of how it would play out you know like i see um and like about who becomes a black team whether it's global whether it's region based um yeah so uh you know, it's something we'd like we 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 really really would like to get to it, but um, it's not it's not certain whether we'll be able to pull that off. So. I got you, I got you. And the way like the way that was explained, like w the team with the most like points or however you guys decide to do it was going to be black instead of blue or yellow, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was um, you know in concept when it was kicked around, it was almost like a king of the hill, like sure. so. 
if I was playing the black team and you were a challenger that faced me and you beat me, then you would have black team skins. Got it. Which also is the other kind of like, how do we handle this is if you play like with the crew, like three of your friends, sure, that's kind of easy. We have a team we can associate it with. But if like you're just jumping into ranked and like we place you against them, it becomes a little trickier. It's like, well, now we have four people that don't play together all the time. How do we like divvy up who the black team members are? <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. At that point, it's like, <laughs> so, it, so, or go it, ahead. Sorry. It's, it's got to basically be like, yo, you can only, this is team based, strictly team based. You can only bring your, your, your crew here and that's it. Right. Yeah. And it, it's like, well, then is it as long as you play? Is it, you know, how does that work? Like they're a concept. Like we love the idea. It's sure. just the more we dug into it, it's like, and um, this is the developer. I mean, it's like, well, how the hell are we going to do that? <laughs> yeah, no, I get I, <laughs> There's I, a lot I remember, of nuances there. Yeah. And I remember thinking that too. And I was, when you guys were, I was like, man, how are they going to, how are they going to tackle all that? Because it seems like <laughs> it, it seems, you know, it's like, yeah, like you're saying, if you got three people on one team and then this random, you know, then does that random <laughs> still like still just well, show up? You brought right. up E3, and I remember. I mean, that was the first conference we've ever I've ever presented on. I mean, this is the first game I've ever worked on or built. Um, but I remember we were just Mike and I, like uh, he's like the other chief architect, like him and I built a majority of this. Um, watching it just exhausted in LA and then we like see a stream and it was uh one of the guys we worked with from Bumblebear uh who are Josh and Josh Bonus and uh, Nick Mikos uh him like in an interview being like talking about the black team we're like oh we just kicked around this idea like don't don't go on an E3 stream and say we're <laughs> we haven't flushed this out yet, man. <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. Well, I, I think there's uh there's there's some good information that we can kind of glean from you about that E3 experience and and cons going forward. I know the world's been in chaos for the last you know year, two years now, but um what like prepping for E3 and then, and then just the, the overall experience on the show floor, like for any devs that are thinking about presenting, you know, once we kind of get back to normal, any, any words of wisdom or any, anything you can, you can, you can share with us. Uh, yeah. Um, one, don't make an eight player game. Like it'll get through the line <laughs> quick, but, uh, and, and, uh, being able to like, like get your uh, elevator pitch just down. Like if you're presenting anywhere, I don't care where it is, whether it's a, a local game dev like thing or hell, you're just bringing over some, some friends, like try to get it as short and concise as possible and get them in the game. You know, it, it's, it's hard to try to explain every rule up front and, maintain their interest when they just want to play a game. So it's like kind of like get them going, get as much information as they know uh, to start playing and having fun and fill in the blanks. That's kind of like the, at least the presentation part of it. Um, 
Otherwise, uh, building a game, like building a mode, like it's not going to be in the end game. But we, I think we had a, I think we called it demo mode, was like a feature flag in our game, which would just be like optimizing that path of like choose your character, play the game, see the end screen for a bit, and go right back in. So you're not like fumbling with menus. Like, gotcha. You know, there's usually one person that's like, you know, controller that's controlling everything. And then you have to track down who that is. It's like, try to make that as seamless as possible. Like, you know, like just that cycle of, you know, the game loop, essentially. Like, yeah, who's, who's player like, one? Just, yeah, get you in as quick as possible with the least friction. Because um, like, it, it, it sucks to walk around and be like, who's got player one? Right, like in a setting yeah. like E three, like everyone take your hands off the controller and one by one, like press the A button. We'll see from there. Um, like trying to minimize that, like makes a lot of things smoother. And that's something we learned as we presented more and more. Um, was like optimizing that path uh, because it was. I mean, E three, like I said, was our probably our biggest event we ever ever did. Um, you know, we did packs after that, uh, a couple packs events, but like those went smoother because of what we learned each time, which was just, you know, in the E3 show floor, like walking around trying to get people to figure out who's player one. And then they're swapping controllers. Like it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. I remember you guys were using the Xbox one controllers and they were no help either because they don't show you. Who, well, like, not at PAX we were, or not at uh, E3. Nintendo oh. would not, the, they wouldn't allow that. Like, oh, like we had wired Joy-Cons. That was like one of the catches. We had to get specifically wired Joy-Cons because there's so many cell phones and interference. Yeah, that, yeah like yeah, yeah. any sort of like Bluetooth, like, uh, you know, disruption causes a big deal in the game. Um, we, we definitely used them at PAX uh, because Microsoft had us in their booth at the time. Um, I see. So yeah. And and maybe that's where I, 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 I may have run into you there as well. So that's because yeah. like, I, I, I just re I remember that. Like, I remember what you're talking about. Like, who's who's player one right now? Who's past the, <laughs> you know, like so. But that's that's great. I mean, you know, making sure everything is uh, is easy as possible, because I mean, I remember they had the uh, they had like this broadcast booth right next to you guys at at E3. And mm -hmm. oh, it was, uh, yeah, it was right above us. It was the Treehouse Live. Yeah. And well, and they, even on the show floor, there was a there was a like this glass booth. And it was like it looked right at your <laughs> your guys's booth. And I remember I remember sitting in there doing some uh, doing some recording. I mean, you guys were nonstop. Like you were just nonstop. <laughs> like I that and that being the first show, I've never been so exhausted. Like after like explaining the game over and over with, you know, people just like they you know they wait in line for like two hours or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> and like they just want to play a game, and it's like I right, got to get through this. It's it, yeah, it, it's it's just so like rapid, like and it, it doesn't stop, like. People will just be there, you know, at the end of the show just to get one more like, you know, one more round game. of the games. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like, even when you think you're like, oh, we're only hour and a half left. Like it's going to die down. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So let's get a little bit of history with, with killer queen black, like, <clears throat> what, like the, the idea of the game and then how you guys, uh, went about, you know, pitching it or whatever to get it out on, on consoles. Sure. Um, we, so uh, the three like kind of founding members of Liquid Bit are me, Matt, uh, Tesh, and Mike Charak. Um, we we've worked together for years before that, doing kind of like mobile app development, um, web app development. Just you know, we we always kind of like worked with each other and kind of hit a point where we weren't happy where we were. Um, and we got uh, uh, like a, a founder of justice to um, like help out and like kind of like provide some funding for it. And we decided like we wanted to make a game. And before that, we had went to a bar in Chicago called Logan Arcade, which has Killer Queen Arcade. So we're Killer Queen Black, we're KQB, they're KQA, Killer Queen Arcade. So they they created the original like core of the game and, and like the arcade game's amazing. And we went and played it at Logan Arcade and we're just blown away. So the arcade game's five on five, right? So we had a bunch of friends and we basically made a night of it, of going there um, and fell in love with it. And so in this venture that we wanted to make a game and we got some funding, we ended up um, prototyping it out to be a network game. Cause like it, it's, it's like, there's nothing like the experience of five people on one side of a cabinet and five on the other. Sure. Like, like there, there, there's nothing that can match that. And we're lucky that we had one in Chicago. Um, but like, we, we just thought like, wouldn't it be cool to be able to bring this more accessible, you know? Like there's, uh, I don't remember what their count is now, but mostly major cities in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, like some of that, like where I grew up in small town of 2000 in Minnesota, like you're, you're not going to have access to that. Right. So how can we bring that experience to them? And so before we approached Bumble Bear, we actually made like an online prototype of the game with the same rules as killer queen arcade. Um, and we, we got in a call with them and like, actually like they're in New York, we're in Chicago. Um, and, and played and they, you know, I guess we, we showed them that we could essentially make it happen. Right. And, and like the original arcade game, right. Is, um, there's no button to attack. It's just like joust rules. So if I you're see. above someone, you, you kill them. Um, that's tricky to get really well in, um, an online game and especially with eight people, like, you know, like there's, there's rollback and then there's like also like lockstep, which is like lockstep's really good for like, that's where, like any online game you played like freezes because it, it needs everyone to report back and like handshake and then send it down. Well, like that breaks down once you hit about four people or more, um, right? Like 
if you're waiting on eight people to report back and then like it, it just causes issues. Sure. Um, and that's kind of why we, we it wasn't just a port of Killer Queen Arcade. We realized like we needed to modify it to work on consoles. So instead of five on five, it's four on four. Right. Which and part of that is like a lot of systems have about eight controller limitations. Mm-hmm. Right. There's not many consoles you can do five on five. So that was part of it. And then you know, in the arcade, it's like a I don't know, 42 inch or whatever screen right in your face that you're like this close to. Um that like playing on a couch, that scale wasn't gonna work the same. You know, you, you just see a little blip running around versus <laughs> like so so like in reducing the number of players and also um making the match smaller, essentially. Um those are a lot of the like the main changes that, and then like, like I said, the attack system, instead of being like touch based, we added a button because that can like mask latency in a bit. Right. Got like, it. Okay. Like you, you know, you're like, Oh, I hit it, but maybe I hit it too low versus something as just discreet as like, I'm higher when we came in contact. Um, yeah. Like that, that, that was a big change, like adding a button to attack and different weapon. And then that, that transformed into different weapons too. Um, so we, we, we took the original game and kind of modified it to what would work in an online based console version of the game. So like, that's why like the differences from KQB and killer queen arcade kind of came from was a bit of necessity, you know? Yeah. That's, that's actually super cool to hear. I didn't like, I I didn't realize any of this. I really thought the game was just a a, a essentially a port of the of the arcade game. Uh, I no, think I've yeah. seen the arcade game in the wild like one time, but I don't think I've had the chance to play it. Oh, so. I mean, if, if you can find one, it's a blast. I mean, like you know, we have. I lo- I always think of our art styles as like NES versus SNES. Like mm-hmm. we're both pixel art games of killer queen um it's just a slight you know it's a slight evolution too um and that that's and and that doesn't necessarily mean like better or worse it's just you know we didn't want it to be the same game like and that i think and that was large i mean at first that's what we were going for but that's what was cool about working with the original like designers and developers of killer queen arcade it's just like, I think they want to try something new. And and me, Matt, and Mike are all very engineering-based people. So, like, working with guys that are very, you know, technical, but also game design-based was, was, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better situation for, like, building our first game. It's like, you get, not only is the game you really wanted to make, you're working with the guys that made it, and you can learn from them which was really cool yeah that's that's super cool let's go back like i think the funniest thing is this game originated as a game that was played in the park is that correct uh yeah like the original killer queen arcade i believe was made i i know there's a field game um and i believe from there is when they decided to make an arcade game out of it so people running around with you know foam balls 
like th- those are the berries. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, one of those. Um, what was the those things that you like help you keep you like afloat in a pool like those a like, pool noodle? A, a noodle. That's what I was going for. Yeah. Yeah. Like, those are your swords that you would swing. <laughs> so like things like that. Yeah. And like you can uh, I believe it's on Bubble Bear's website. They have oh. the field game rules like out there, like what you need, how to play. <laughs> that is amazing. I need to look it up because I've always wondered. I'm like, OK, what's this? What's what's the snail represent? Is there like is there like one of those uh, those like the horse head with the stick coming out of yeah, it? That, exactly. like... <laughs> like the wooden like pony that you're. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've always kind of wondered. So and that's what's uh, cool to me, though, is that like they right. Like, like I said, I'm an engineer, but like seeing like that a game designer, it doesn't matter the medium. They they can create just cool experiences like games. Like it, it could be on a field, an arcade, a console like that. And that's something I really admire because like, I like like I said, I'm 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 engineering focused. Um, like I have things I like and dislike in games, but like to be able to like come up with like balance and things like that. Uh, is just uh, like I, I just have such admiration for people that can do that. It's it's super cool. I I'm like th- this the the whole history of the game, everything it uh, it all played a part in just like really getting its hooks in me, right? And I remember like I kind of did a little bit of an a uh, an event like you guys had a big sale on the game, and it was it was out on Switch and and uh, within my community everybody was playing it. My kids were absolutely loving it. Like I've never seen my, I think myself, my wife and uh, my two daughters were playing it. And my youngest daughter was like standing up, like, (laughs) like, like just so into it, like did not want to lose. Like I just saw her competitive side come out so much. And every time I ask her to play, she's like, I don't know that game. It's super fun, but I get I get way too into it. It makes me. You know, just... it's, like, it's like a trigger. My brother sends me those of like my nephew playing. It's it's just such a good feeling. Like I love that aspect about the game. Is like you know, like you don't have to be a you know super try hard, whatever. Like you can have fun with it. Like across a lot of ages. Um, Right. And some of my favorite, like, I think it was PAX West. Like, some of my favorite photos I've ever gotten at a show was just this family, and it was like three young kids, and like, you know, the, the oldest boy or whatever, like, literally, like, you know, two feet in the air, jumping, like, in excitement. I was like, ah, that's so cool. Like, being yeah. able to bring that to someone. That's that's amazing. I mean, it's really what it's that's that's what it's all about when it comes to games, right? Just yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's for everyone, for sure. Let's let's talk a little bit about the development. Like, were there any were there any major hurdles that you guys had to go through, or any any major learning experiences that you're like, yo, let's keep this in mind for the next one, or you know, something yeah. like that. Uh, the first one I'll say right away is um, don't don't develop a game that requires more players than work in your company like <laughs> i it sounds obvious but it's really really hard to test an eight player game when you have at most three or four people 
right? Like it's, I mean, which play testing helps a lot with that, but it's, it's so hard. You know, you get a bug and it's by yourself. It's, it's hard to recreate these scenarios where two people are moving, right. And the attack happens in a certain situation, like doing that by yourself is almost impossible, you know? Um, so that's, that's, that's a big one. Um, <laughs> Two online games are really hard. Um, uh, it's just like it, in, it. Considering that, if you want to make an online game, don't delay thinking about that and planning for that. Meaning, like building a single player, like even a local multiplayer experience, and like. You know, maybe you develop that for a year or whatever, and then you try to tack on online play. Um, it's not going to go well. Like you have to have that. Like, and you can make your architecture work. Like, kind of like um, on Switch, we had uh, or we have um, local wireless play, right? Like that wasn't that hard for us to add because when you run the game, just standalone local player local wireless or, um, you know, online, it's roughly the same architecture. I mean, for the most part, you know, like even when you run local, it's like we have kind of a, a server sitting there that, that is that communication. So like the client part of it is the same. It's just what it's talking to is a little bit different. Like whether it's going out on the internet, whether it's talking to like a local server, um, you know, a fake server, essentially, um, like that helps it, like trying to like build a online on top of something that didn't have that in mind is really, really hard and, and probably going to be like almost like a, a stopper for doing it. Cause like if you architect it a certain way and then you try to like consider online play, it's, it's really, really hard. So like, and there's there's no real like loss to designing your system the other way. like even if you don't ever add online play like you can it, it still can work the exact same um it just gives you that flexibility so like if you want it to be online consider that as soon as possible and plan for that it's i mean it's the first question out of the mouth of the consumer whenever they see an indie title it's like does it have online? Like it's yeah, almost, I mean, that it, that 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 is that's the era we live in now, right? Like in yeah. and, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like I I don't think you should just add it because people want online play. I think also like the you know the the last year has made online gaming a huge like savior for a lot of us, right? Like yeah. being able to connect with people that we can't go out and see you know, or, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't always work. Like, you know, I, I don't force online play, even though like everyone wants it, but if it works and you think it might be a thing plan for that, like consider it upfront. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, this has been awesome. Thank oh, you. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I, I I'm always happy to do this. It's fun. Uh, yeah, this is, this is great. And, uh, I, I just I appreciate the time and and getting to hear some of the backstory and uh, some of the the 
the story of development and everything. So um, thanks again for joining me. Uh, my pleasure. I mean, I like doing these because it's easy to forget like what you've been through and what you, you know, like it, it's, it, it's great to hear like, you know, from the mouth of people like that are enjoying it and like, and reflect back on stuff. So like, I love doing this. Like um, I'm happy to do it. I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, you have a fantastic day, my friend. And we'll see you in the next one. You too. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Beamable Game Dev Podcast. If you'd like to connect with other game devs, make sure to head on over to our Discord, beamable.com slash Discord. And if you'd like to try Beamable for free, head on over to beamable.com.